I don't know if that was a good idea or not, but here we are. And today we will be covering Romans chapter 15. We are almost, almost at the end of Romans, of our Bible series on Romans. Great book, the book of Romans. Aren't you happy that God decided to put this book inside the Bible, Romans? It's like an amazing book, full of doctrine, full of uh, uh, foundations for our faith. And also practical, you know, uh, it has a lot of practical there. A lot of, uh, it, it talks about how we should behave, how we should relate to others, etc. So today we will be covering Romans 15, open your Bible in Romans 15. And the title of today's sermon is, What We Have and What We Need. And my challenge today is to... Uh, share with you this message in only 30 minutes because I know that a lot of people have to go home to finish the turkey, to finish the gravy, to finish the potatoes and bacon and everything that you will bring today. All right? I know that. So let's try to redeem the time. We're going to start reading verse 14. Today's message then, the title is What We Have and What We Need. Verse 14, verse 14 of Romans 15 says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness. Say with me, goodness. 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 Filled with knowledge. Say with me, knowledge. knowledge. There we go. And competent to instruct, instruct one another. So, I, I decided to divide today's sermon because it's a huge chapter is actually Paul is continuing his idea of Romans 14 where he talked about remember last Sunday we talked about this he talked about how we are called by God to accept one another doesn't matter you know our differences maybe we have difference of opinions or whatever we need to accept one another because we have been accepted by God through Christ Jesus so that's the idea that Paul is writing right here. And he continues speaking about that in Romans chapter 15 in the, in the first 13 verses. But then he stopped talking about the, about the church and he started speaking about himself and his ministry. And today from these three verses that I'm going to use, actually I don't know if there are four. It's 14, 15 and 16, three verses. We're going to learn three things that we as the church of God we need to develop and grow, and three things that maybe we already have. So the first part is three great qualities that every church should have, and I believe that we have these qualities. Amen? Aren't you happy about your church? Yeah, this is not the church. It's your church. It's my church. Northwest Family Church is the place that God decided to put us all together into this. So like he decided to bring this guy from Argentina, this guy from Colombia, this guy from... Uh, Kelowna, VC, Albania, whatever, right? So many countries here and provinces. And he put us all together to be one family. So the first thing that we need to learn is that the church in Rome was a rich church. It was rich in knowledge, rich in, uh, in goodness, rich in love. And we see Paul speaking about this in these verses, in verse 14. These are the three great qualities that Paul observes in the church of Rome and that we should work hard to develop and grow in our local church. So God is calling us. This last chapter is all about, you know, doing some work. It is not only, well, I know it's faith. Faith alone. Amen. No work. No, that's not the gospel. It's faith and through your work you show your faith. Through your good deeds, through your service, through your life. 
we are showing our faith, right? It's the fruit. It's not like we do work to gain God's favor. We do, we do develop fruits and we, we work for God to show that we have received already God's favor. Because we are so full of gratitude that we need to do something for God. Amen? Yes? All right. So the first thing that we learn about this church is that this church was full of goodness. A church full of goodness. As usual in the Bible, we see that love always comes first. And it is always before in importance to knowledge. Paul speaks about this in First Corinthians where he speaks about knowledge and love. And he says that more important than knowledge is love. And here we see goodness, which is like a, an extension of love. If you love someone, you will be good to that person, right? Amen? Yeah. You for, you, for example, I know that you love us all, so you will bring a big turkey today. Right? A lot, lots of food. Thank, good for, uh, thank God for your goodness. So, we know that love comes first. Because God even, being right, He decided to love us first. If God would move His heart according to His knowledge, and He knows that we, we are just sinful. We deserve uh, no salvation. We, we deserve rather condemnation. But He decided to choose love before knowledge. It's love and knowledge. Love goes first. Friend, what changes people's hearts is not the knowledge of God. A lot of people know about God, right? Yeah? A lot of people know something about God. What changes people's heart is the love of God. Not the knowledge of God. The love of God. To experience His unique love that fills our empty hearts and makes us whole. It's about experiencing God. To receive his love. To receive the love of his church. I have a friend in Argentina who decided to give uh, his life to, to, to Jesus. Not because of a great message or sermon. But because of a great usher received him with love. And say, whoa. Welcome. A big hug like we like in Argentina. Yeah. Can I confess something? Yeah. Can I? In Argentina, we guys, we kiss in the cheek. All right. And it's not something weird. (laughs) It's actually biblical. (laughs) Anyways. So he was received, you know, with this big hug. Welcome to church. And after that, he decided to stay. And then when, one day, he decided to give his life to the Lord. And then he shared his testimony. He said, you know what, church? I came to the Lord because of the love that you have shown me. And you know what? Today, this guy, he's a pastor. Greeters, ushers, you never know. You are tools in the hands of God. And not only greeters and ushers, you. It is not about a position. You know, it's about an understanding that we are a family and we receive and we, we welcome people into the house of God. Anyways, Paul says that the church of Rome was full of goodness. This means that their motives were right. Their, their higher motivation was pure goodness and love for the lost. The church in Rome was a responsive church, you know, and a compassionate church. It reached out to people who were in need. It responded to those who had hurts and burdens and concerns. It was a church that welcomed all kinds of people. And, and I believe that we are that church too. We are right here, right beside the train station to receive. Doesn't matter the condition, doesn't matter the financial situation of that person. We don't care. 
We just want to receive you with love. And that's what we as, as the church, we, we are called by God to do. To show this world the love of God. This is the kind of church that God wants us to be. A church full of goodness. So, God is calling us to be full of goodness. I know that we, that we have goodness. But let us be, you know, to show more goodness to, to ourselves. You know, to one another. And also to those who, who come maybe for the first time to our church. Secondly, Paul says in verse 14 that this church was filled with knowledge. Knowledge is not bad. We need knowledge. We need knowledge in order to, uh, to, to, to stand in faith. You know, we live in this society that is constantly trying to push things to us. You know, like, this is the way you should think about this. This is the way you should uh, think about this other thing. No, we think according to the Bible. The Bible is it's it's our it's our norm it's our norm of uh, behavior it's what we believe it's what we defend if we don't defend the truth of scripture who will do it so we need knowledge it's not bad but we need always first love goodness and then it says that the church was filled with knowledge the second thing the apostle paul says is that the church in rome was complete in knowledge now that is rather remarkable eh He was a church to which Paul did not need to give any new theology. They knew it all. He acknowledged that they had it already. If you read back through the letter to Romans again, there were specific themes that the apostles emphasized. Like, for example, justification by faith, remember? Salvation, the free gift of worth in God's sight, etc. The church in Rome understood this spiritual principle as well as the nature of the flesh, our need for sanctification, and other, other topics and doctrines that we have taught from this pulpit in, in other Sundays. Here we see a church that was desperate to learn more about God and His perfect plan for their lives. And now the question is, how? what about us? Are we hungry for God's Word? Are we hung? Do, do we still have the hunger of opening, you know, the Bible every day to know His will for my life and to listen to His voice? Are you? Am I? We need to increase our knowledge of God. Not only our experience of God, but also who God is. To know more about Him. If I want, for example, to have a solid relationship, relationship with my wife, I need to know her. And, and, you know, to know her, I need to ask her questions, and I need to increase my knowledge about what she likes and what she doesn't like. So we can have a solid relationship. The same happens with God. You need to know God. Who is God? Well, God is my Father. Okay, what else? What, 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 what does that mean, He's your Father? How, how, do you ex- how, how, how are you experiencing His fatherhood on a daily basis? So we need to grow, grow also in knowledge, just like this church did. We need to be well taught in the scriptures. We need to deeply understand the great truths and the great things of the Bible. You know what is the greatest weapon in the world? Do you know? You know, the greatest weapon in the world is not in North Korea or America. Rocket Man doesn't have the, the greatest weapons in the world, right? You know who, who does? We, the church. The greatest weapon of the world is the Bible. It's the only weapon that can change minds and hearts and nations. Can bring revival. Can transform the lost. Can heal the broken. It's the war of God. That's the greatest weapon of all. Now the thing is that you need to use this weapon. 
You need to use this weapon against your enemy, the devil, that is trying to bring doubts and fears. And you know, that sense of failure. So many Christians right now in America with this sense of failure. I have failed God. I have failed my wife. I have failed my husband. I, I'm a failure. No, you're not. You're a children of God. That's what this word says. You need to open the Bible, read it. You need to know what God believes and thinks about yourself. And, start, and you need to start walking on this word. This is the greatest weapon of all. And you need to use it against your enemy. Against the devil. This church was filled with knowledge. Filled with goodness. And also we see the third thing that the Apostle Paul had to say about this church. Was that they were competent to instruct one another. In the Greek the word competent to instruct means that they were able to counsel one another. There are a lot of people right now that are wasting money. I'm not, no, let's, let's rephrase that. Not wasting money. Investing their money or using their money in counselors, psychologists, right? Co- coaches, whatever. While we, the Christians, we hold the truth that, that has the power to change lives. The Bible says that the church in Rome, they, they of course, they, they, they had pastors and leaders. Yes. But you know what? The ministry of counseling people and preaching the word and instructing others was not developed just by one guy. It was the whole church. When was the last time that you invited someone to help that person, to maybe give a piece of advice, or so some counseling? Yeah? We need to do that. We need that. I need that. I need to talk to someone. You need to talk to someone. Everybody needs to talk to someone. And the Bible calls us to do this. To be competent, to be able to counsel one another based on the Bible, based on the truth. So I believe that we have those qualities. Do you agree with me? There's a lot of people missing today. And I believe it's because of the banquet, right, tonight? I hope so. <laughs> but for, for you and me, we who have decided to come to church this morning, this is the word that God wants to give us. You have it. You have God's goodness. You have the, the gift to, to help others and the talents to counsel someone. And, uh, and you have it. You just need to practice it. Now in verse 15 and 16, we see three things that I believe many churches are missing. There are things that we have and there are things that we are missing still. That we need to grow and achieve. Verse 15 and 16 says, Yet I have written to you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again. Because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ, Jesus to, of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God, so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So we just saw that the church in Rome had the right motives, they had complete knowledge, and they had the full range of gifts, so that they were able to do many things within the church community and in the city, but also Paul recognized that they were that they were three things that they lacked. Now you will think that the, that the church that was you know theologically uh, full of knowledge and etc was able to instruct and counsel one another in the deep problems of life and fill with a spirit of goodness and compassion will hardly need anything more said to them. But we see Paul here saying, "No, you still need 
to grow in some areas in your life. And that's how I want to come to church every day. Not, I, I, I don't want to come to church every Sunday believing, well, I know it all, I have it all, I don't need to learn anything. I want to come to church every Sunday with the expectancy of uh, listening to God, speaking to an area of my life where I'm lacking something. Where I need to, you know, to be encouraged and I also need to be uh, taught that I need to maybe grow in some areas of my life. This is how we should come before the Lord, before Jesus. In verse 15, the first thing the church in Rome needed was a bold reminder of the truth. Today we were praying for the sermon and Bernie uh, prayed for, for, the message, for, for the message and he said, God, let the message be a message full of boldness. Well, we, we need to be bold. And you need to be ready to listen to God's voice. Sometimes God, you know, he brings encouragement, but, also, but other times he needs to bring maybe, I don't know, an exhortation. Maybe he needs to correct our, our, our lives, our path. We need to be open to both. In verse 15, Paul says, I need to give you a reminder of the truth. I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again, he said. How many of you have lost your your car keys this week? Yeah, Have you lost something this week? Not your your children, please. uh, Yeah, car keys. What else? Um, House keys. Glasses. Yes. There's a lot of things that... That you know, I, I, I forget. The only thing that I can lose somehow is weight. So if you know how, <laughs> that's the only thing I cannot. Hey, Emmanuel, you're looking sharp, man. Yeah, you're welcome. I like your tie. Yeah. Um, we need to to know that the church in Rome was a church that seems like they were filled with knowledge, but somehow they were forgetting some things. The fact that we so easily forget things is somehow built into our, our humanity. And I think one of the greatest proofs of the fall of man is that we have such a hard time remembering what we want to remember, yet we so easily remember what we want to forget. Is that true? Yeah? We have a hard time trying to remember the things that we, we know that we need to remember, and it's so easy for us to be stuck with those thoughts of failure and things that we should forget already. But we're still stuck with them. We even need to be reminded again and again of these great themes of the gospel. And that, that's why Paul wrote Romans. To, re, to remind them, to, to remind the church in Rome about these great uh, themes of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Romans 12, 2, Paul says you need... Your mind renewed by the Holy Spirit. Can you say with me? I need. need, Come on. I need. need, My mind mind renewed. renewed. Now turn to your neighbor and say. You need your mind renewed. We need to be renewed by God. I don't know you. But I don't want to come to church. And just leave this building the same way I came in. I want to be renewed. You know, I, I, I want to leave this building knowing that somehow, just like Bernie was saying, God is going to show up in my situation, in my marriage, whatever, with my children, with my finance, God is going to show up. I need to leave this building knowing that God has a plan for my life and He wants to use me. Uh, 
And, and this is a great reason why we gather together every Sunday. We need to have our minds renewed. Paul tells us that we need to be reminded day by day and week by week that we are in a battle and that we have a crafty enemy. You know the name, right? The devil. This life is not all there is by any means. This is, my friend, school time. This is training time. A training ground where we are to learn our lessons. This life is getting us ready. Just like we were singing at the beginning of today's service. I fly away. Oh, on glory, I fly away. One day we will literally fly away. And we will be home. But in the meantime, we need to grow. We need to learn. We need to be trained by God. And for experiencing victory in our daily lives, we need to receive from God the endurance and encouragement we need. In Romans 15, 4 and 6, 4 to 6, Paul says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Take a look at what Paul says about the Old Testament. I have heard a lot of Christians being mean to poor Old Testament. I don't like Leviticus, for example. Wow, are you kidding me? I love Leviticus. I don't like Chronicles. And, and we kind of despise the Old Testament. Here we see Paul saying, wait a minute. The Old Testament is also the word of God. In the Old Testament you can find encouragement. You can find hope. Because you can see all the promises that God has been uh, you know, given to, to this world. And promises that God have, have, have given to you in the past. And through Jesus they will come to pass. Here Paul says the Bible is our source of encouragement. Verse 5 says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. How we should relate to one another. Just like Jesus would do. So that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. These verses help us to realize the importance of gathering each Sunday in this place to study together the Word of God and receive from the Holy Spirit what He wants to impart to us. When we gather to worship God, pray together, and listen to His voice, we receive, we receive from the Lord the encouragement and the strength we need to overcome the trials we are going through and to stand firm in the hope to which we have been called. That's why church is important. To edify one another. Through the word of God. Through prayer. You know. This is the place. To receive the strength. The encouragement you need. The hope you need. So the church in Rome. They needed. They need. To be reminded. Of the important things. And we too. The second thing. The apostle said. The Christians in Rome needed. Was a priestly ministry. Verse 16. Part A says, let's read it again. It says, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, he gave me the priestly duty. And Paul was showing himself as an example to the church. We all need models. Who are your models? Who are you following? Who are you following? Who, who are you seeing like, well, I would love to be like that guy or that person. What about my children or your children? Are, are they seeing you as a model? We need, we, we need to realize that we are modeling other people's lives. We like it or not. Here Paul is saying the church has a duty. Has an obligation to the world. And the obligation and duty of the church is to develop a priestly 
uh, sorry, pre, uh, priestly ministry. They needed to be models for others who are new also in the faith. He told them, you not only need to be reminded of the truth, but you need an example to follow. You need somebody you can see doing this kind of thing. And that is what God has given me the privilege of doing, says Paul. I have been called uh, of God into this ministry, not only to be an example of leadership, but also to be like a priest working in the temple. To awaken among you a sense of worship, a sense of the greatness of God. And I think we need this frequently. Yeah, many times, I don't know if that happens to you, but it's like we feel dead inside. We, we, we need prayer. We need someone that will say, well, you know what, Roger, I know that you're going through a hard time. I will pray for you, brother. Or I, I need to know that I can just text someone at church. Hey, you know, I need some prayer. Going through this and going through that. Would you pray for me? You will not receive that in, from your co-workers or your school teacher. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, if they're Christians, right? It's so good to know that I have a church. That I can just ask them for prayer. Here we see Paul saying, you church, you need to remember this. You are here to help one another. To develop this priestly ministry together. Despite all the exciting things happening, despite all the tremendous encouragement on every side, there are times when we need to lift our eyes from our circumstances and stand before the greatness of God. This is the mission we have as the church. To serve one another as priests, to care for one another, and to edify yourselves through the ministry and gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the same Apostle Paul recognized in this chapter his need for the church. Paul needed the church. Paul Paul needed the church. He needed to be surrounded by other fellow believers and Christians. In Romans 15, 30 and 31, it says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by your Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Join me in my struggle. Whoa. Great Apostle Paul, being honest. I'm struggling. You know why our youth don't want to follow Jesus Christ? Because they are seeing us, adults, as bad examples. They are not seeing honesty in us. We're just faking it. Here we see great Apostle Paul being honest and saying, I have struggles. I haven't resolved everything. I need you. I need your prayers. That's amazing. Church, I need your prayers. And you need prayer. Paul is saying, I'm, I'm struggling. I need you. I need you to pray for me. I'm praying that the Lord will rise up people of prayer here in church. Intercessors. People w- that will decide to stand in the gap and pray for the church. Because we need it. We need it. We need prayer more than ever. He also acknowledged, Paul acknowledged his need to receive financial, financial assistance from the church. So that his ministry could be extended to Spain. In verse 23 and 24 he says, But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there. 
after having joy your company for a while. Paul is saying, I need also your assistance. I need help. We need to learn from this great man of God. That's why he was great. Because he was honest, transparent, and he, he was willing to say, I need help. I can't do this alone. I need prayer. I, I need prayer and I need help. I need assistance. We see in a man that he says that he walked from Jerusalem to Albania. Right? Albania? Back in the day, he has another name. Illyricum? Illyricum. All the way there preaching the gospel. And now he wanted to go to Spain and he needed help. He wanted to bring the gospel there too. So we as a church, we are here to help one another in prayer, praying for one another, and also to assist in the church. And how can we assist the church? How, how, how can we invest into, into God's kingdom? Through our prayers, through our service, and through our finances. That's why we bring our tithes and offerings to sustain the work, the, the work of God here in Calgary through this church, through, through, through your church. Finally, Paul recognizes that spending time in fellowship with his brothers in Christ and meeting with the church allows him to refresh himself. I love verse 32. It says, so that I may come to you with joy. I invite you to read this verse on next Sunday before coming to church. All right? And say, Lord, I will apply it to my life. I will come to church with joy. joy. I will come to, with joy. And, and we learned last Sunday that, okay, where is the, the joy? Where is the source of joy? It's in the Spirit. It's looking inside of you. Well, I have the Holy Spirit. That gives me joy. It says, so that, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will, and in your company be refreshed. Be refreshed. People want to come to church to be refreshed. You too, right? I want that too. I want to come to church to be refreshed. Not to leave this building with more burdens that, that I had before coming to the building. Yeah, be refreshed. Oh, a relief. Nice. If you want to take off your shoes, just like you do at home, just relax. Be refreshed. Be refreshed. The last thing, the third thing that the church needed, Paul says in verse 16, part B, he says, The Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. What is the last thing that this church needed? Remember, this church was in Rome, the capital of sin, sin city back then. It was like Vegas, but in the, the Roman version. They were surrounded by temptations. You know, sexual immorality, you know, all kind of stuff. Idolatry, a lot of stuff. Money, materialism, fame. You see the movies, right? Gladiator? Who likes Gladiator? Eh? Great movie. You see the, the Colosseum, the gladiators, they were like the heroes. So it, it, it was a culture that uh, worship, actually worship men. You know, human beings, they, they, they worship themselves. So they, they did everything they, they, they could just to, to please themselves. Pretty, it's different to our culture, do you think? Or pretty similar. <laughs> pretty similar. And then the church was inside there. 
And Paul says the Gentiles, that church, they needed to become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You know what God wants to do with us? Sanctify us. He, needed, he wants us to grow in holiness. Without holiness, nobody will see the Lord. You know what he wants from his church? Sanctification and holiness. Yes, of course, he wants to reach the world and we would love to see this church filled with souls and praising God. The number one thing in God's agenda is our holiness. Is that we may be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Says that the Gentiles, the church, might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Every church needs this. We need to serve, we need to pray, we need to work, we need to counsel, we need to evangelize, right? Oh, yeah. Programs, activities, thing, you know, so many things. It's like doing church right now. Well, so hard, Apostle Paul, I'm sorry. You, you need to be thinking about social media, website, graphic design. Sound booth, so many things. Maybe back in the days was simple, was simpler. This is the state of the church right now. Sometimes it feels like we just we're just competing. That's not right. That's not the spirit of the church. The spirit of the church is love, holiness, prayer. Here we see. Paul is speaking to the church and saying, you need to become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. All of the activity of the Christian life, listen to me, is of no purpose if it is not sanctified by the Holy Spirit. If it does not have in it that touch of God, that anointing from on high, that divine wind blowing upon the dead bones and making them come to life. You know what? I think Paul is speaking here about the ministry of prayer. Because it's through prayer that we are sanctified. The need to remember that God himself must touch something. Otherwise, that something, it is just dead and useless. You can have all the gifts in the world, all the resources in the world. But before God, you will be just useless. If you are not being sanctified through prayer. And through a life of integrity. That's what the message of Paul is in Romans 15. Church, you are great. You have goodness. You are full of goodness. You are filled with knowledge. You have so many gifts. But you are lacking some things. You need to grow in holiness. You need to grow in prayer. Today in our Northwest Family Church, we have so much. I'm so glad, so grateful to God, so thankful for this church. But we need the same thing. We need, to, we need daily reminders of the truth. We need a daily connection to the Word. We need our minds renewed, or, or else we are going to sleep right back into thinking like everybody else. We need a model, and there are, there are models among, among us that we can follow, men and women who are exercising this kind of ministry, this priestly ministry. And God is calling you to be a model for others. We need the touch of God above all else. That sense that God himself must make it go. That knowledge that without his presence we cannot do anything. 
You know what is my favorite bastion in the Old Testament? It's when Moses is at, the, at, at Mount Sinai. He said, Lord, if you are not with me, I don't want to do anything. If it's not your presence that moves me, I don't want to move. And that has been my prayer every time I'm preaching, every time I'm doing something for God, whatever, playing guitar. I don't want to play if you're not moving me. I just don't want to do that. I don't want to play church. So today the Lord is calling us to receive that touch. Do you want the Holy Spirit to touch you this morning? Do you? I invite you to close your eyes. Let's have a time to meditate on God's word. And invite you to think about your reality, your situation. Maybe, maybe right now the Holy Spirit wants to speak to a certain area of your life. How is your hunger for God? How is your hunger? How is your hunger? How is your love for the Lord? How is your love for prayer and spend time, quality time with God alone? This is a busy season, I know that. But God wants us to set apart time every day to be with Him. We need to grow in holiness because the Lord Jesus is coming and we need to be ready. Is there any area in your life that you need to surrender before the Lord? Any, any sin? Yeah, the word sin. Not a lot of preachers are using that word lately. Sin. Things that go against the word of God. Do you know that God knows your heart? He knows what, what you're thinking right now. He knows your motives, your reasons, your opinions. But you know what will stand at the end? Always. The only thing that will stand is His Word. The King is coming. The King is Amen. And I feel the Holy Spirit wants, wants us to be prepared. This is a message, maybe, of, it, maybe it is a message of exhortation. But we need that. If I see my daughter running, I don't know, running, running towards the car, I will try... I would do whatever it takes to pull her back and to protect her. And of course, I will correct her later. God wants us to, to know that sometimes He wants to correct the way we think, the way we act, because He wants the best for you. Holiness and prayer is the best lifestyle that you can ever imagine. And I need to grow in holiness, Lord Jesus. And I need to grow in prayer. I confess my sins. I need to grow in prayer. Lord Jesus, we get so busy sometimes, so many times. And we are sorry, Jesus. 
We are sorry, Father. Lord Jesus, you have called us to serve you. But the, our, our first service is not to the world. The first service that we need to, to do is to you. To you. It's the service of the altar. To be an acceptable offering to you, God. Sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you touch us this morning. Touch us right now. I pray that a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit will come and will touch your life. You will be anointed by the Holy God, by the Holy Ghost right now. You will receive the strength, the power, the authority you need to overcome any tribulations, any, any trial or any problem that you may be going through. And today I claim the blood of Jesus to cover you, your house, your children, your life. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke any spirit of, that have come from the enemy to try to bring failure or disappointments inside your mind or heart. And I pray now that you, that you receive the encouragement that comes from heaven. And I invite you to pray for someone. If you feel moved by the Holy Spirit, I invite you to pray with someone. The Bible commands us to pray for one another. You know how good it is to receive prayer? I invite you to experience that right now. If you want to pray with someone, go ahead, do it. Have time. But most of all, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you touch us. We need your touch. We can do this without your presence. We can't. Holy Spirit, we need your touch. Come and touch us. One more time. I release the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon you, upon your house, upon your children. And I pray that, that in this season, you will receive the joy that comes from God. That you will feel the joy in your house. God wants to give you this present, this gift today, the gift of His joy. So you may bring it home and share it with your family I pray right now for the fathers and husbands God has elected you has called you to be the priest of your house your house and I pray that you will receive right now the wisdom and the knowledge to guide your household into God's will I pray protection around your children right now. And I pray protection not only in the physical, but also in the mind. I sense that the enemy is trying to bomb our kids with bad thoughts, with ideas that are corrupted and ideas that goes against the Bible. The enemy is trying to abort the next generation of pastors, leaders, apostles and prophets. But we speak life and we speak, we speak truth. And we speak that our children will serve the Lord. The future generations of pastors and missionaries are right here. And they will do even greater things than we did. I release the anointing upon the marriages. 
your marriage will be an example and a model to so many marriages out there, to so many families. You will show the goodness of God and you will show the mercies of God. So you will be a testimony, living testimony, powerful testimony of the gospel. God will use you this holidays, in this season, this Christmas season. He will bring relatives that are maybe walking far away from Him. And you will be the tool He will use to touch their hearts. Oh Jesus, today we pledge, we pledge Lord that we will follow you, we will serve you and we will honor you. With our uttermost, with everything we are. The Lord knows your heart. Just be ready. He will show up. He will surprise you. He has many gifts. He has many blessings that He wants to pour out upon you. You know why? Because you are His children. He's a good Father and He loves you. I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just like Apostle Paul said in Romans 15, the God of peace be with us all. Thank you. Thank you.